You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is, for the second time, episode 127. We just forgot to, no, not we, I forgot to press record on the first time. So uh, we've done half, half this episode already, and I can promise you that those versions were better than this one. Isn't that right? Yeah, pretty well yeah, guaranteed. It's going to be I mean, a bit I made a cracker of a joke, and I, I just can't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's going to be I a bit even rehearsed. cried a little bit. It was that funny. <laughs> I, know, I know. It was so good. And then uh, I think Annie made the best joke as well, and, and we cried for that one. And it was just – it was yeah. a – Memorable time, and uh, it will never be remembered. You should have been there, guys. You should have been there. Definitely. Do you know who was there? Our Patreon supporters. They were there. Good on you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Mm. guys, for being involved in Patreon and watching us and seeing what's going on. But anyway. You get the the good stuff. You get the good stuff. When we forget to press record. (laughs) We? You mean me. Ah, Yeah. It's a group. group. We we failed as a group. (laughs) Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it. Speaking of failed as a group, do you know who didn't fail as a group? (gasps) Lots of groups. South Australia. Oh, there you go. We yep. brought home nice the one. Hup. Yeah. So I know we we our last episode went up after the Steel Slam and we sort of uh, speculated that we probably won it. Um, but we did. We can now confirm mm-hmm. that South Australia re- retains or keeps or the the there is no initial movement on the location of the cup. Uh, it's actually sitting up in the corner there. How much pay is in that cup? None, but... Um, just one? I don't There's think. Always some pee in cup. Maybe. It depends on the types of videos you watch, Dutchie. You um, cup ends with P. Yeah. You're s- okay. Still working on that unemployed thing, are you? <laughs> Drug tests. <laughs> Paying yeah, the cups. I, I pass them all. They always come back positive. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad to hear it's as good as uni went for you. Uh, <laughs> a cup sitting up there because there was some some beverages. Sometimes a cup melts, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's, that's probably don't need your services, there, <laughs> young man." <laughs> Oh, at least you're maintaining your unemployment. Status. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, so the, the cup is sitting up in the corner because it needs to be washed after several beverages were consumed throughout the uh, evening. It was pee. Uh, it, well, there is a pee in a cup. Yeah. Um, anyway, so now that we've clarified that, uh, joining me on this episode, as you probably have worked out two and a half minutes into it, is Andy, uh, a little over there, uh, and he just nodded. Good. He's getting used to this podcasting thing. And uh, Dutchy over here. And just for anyone listening at home, uh, Bronte's not here, so any technical information will be... Absent. Absent, or, <laughs> you know, you got to realise who's giving it to you, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just take this one with a pinch of salt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless Andy talks about stuff, <laughs> you'll get some stuff right. Some aspects. Mm. Some aspects. Speaking of some aspects, uh, you uh, you got all thousand meters of aspects uh, yep. done on Sunday. We ring a ding ding. Yeah, you rung a dung dung for the first time on a thousand meters. Yep. Well done. No longer a thousand meter virgin. Thousand and sixteen or fifteen meters, as far as I recall. Yeah, mm. That's that. Extra for spin drift. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Allowance for spin drift because that's how it works. Uh, yeah. So Corey would have come into effect there, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. I'd actually dialed spin drift, and then I was like, "Oh, I was hitting to the right, so I took it off." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we went down to uh, one of the lovely properties we get to shoot on, and um, these boys are all, all 
or killing themselves <laughs> over Spindrift. Anyway, we went down to uh, to one of the lovely properties. We get to shoot on, and we did a uh, film a video, filmed a video for Impact Dynamics, so one of the challenge videos or the about to be kicked off challenge series of videos. Mm. This was the first one, and, and four guys, yourself, um, Travi. Ben Jarrett and Nick from Ignition Custom all took their scopes off and raced to grab some new scopes and mount them up. And uh, first one to hit a thousand meters got the chance to, uh, well, not actually to take the scope themselves, but to uh, to give it away, to give it away to boost their followers or whatever they wanted to do with it. And, you know, some sort of competition thing. So that was uh, that was good. No, no details on the winner yet. Uh, still up for. Uh, Clarification: We got to, we just got to check the video evidence mm. and see really who the first one was. But <laughs> anyway, we will, uh, we will come to that. It was uh, good. So probably, I don't know. The video might be up in twenty twenty one, maybe. Knowing my usual editing <laughs> skills, um, we will see. Oh, that's, that's oh, I can't wait. That the long. suspense. <laughs> well, you saw who it was earlier. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, I wasn't paying attention. Fair enough. Fair enough. There was a hundred and fifty gigabytes of uh, video footage, so there was a lot. There was a lot going and on. And one almighty sack tap. There was <laughs> one almighty sack tap. <laughs> Actually, I don't think there was just one over the okay, course well. of the afternoon. <laughs> there was uh, there's one you saw, but one one involving me. Yeah, not, not wrong. Not wrong. Good. Well, actually, while we we're um, uh, while we were out um, for the steel slam. I had a young lad come up and uh, oh, that, uh, come up and uh, ask about shooting. He would have been sixteen or seventeen, and he was you know really keen. His dad was with him and saying he was really keen to get involved. And they were down at uh, down Pinaroo sort of way, not too far from the range, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. And he was really keen on getting involved. Obviously, he'd been watching everything, and apparently, he's listens to our podcasts. And oh, he, just disregard what we say. Yeah, except yeah. for Bronte, he knows what he's talking. About. <laughs> and so from he's got the hot tips. He's got all the all the hot tips, and he's also got the sore back tonight. Anyway, that's a, uh, another story. So he asked me if he could send through. He's doing a school project on precision rifle shooting, and he was wondering if he could send through a survey. And I said, of course, mate. You know, no problems. We'll answer some questions, do those sort of things. And then he sent it through, and I thought these are questions we get regularly through various mediums. Mm. And I thought, well, we may as well. We've got the current leader of production. So uh, you could probably shoot. listen back to all 126 episodes and get your questions, get all right. your answers. Yeah, do yeah. some research, mate. We're not <laughs> doing your project for you. <laughs> Jeez, who right. do you think we are? The Precision Shooting Podcast. <laughs> so, oh, wait, we are, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, so Allegedly. I maybe we could uh, we could answer the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seems all right. Uh, I'll just have to find them first. Do we get credit then? Uh, yes. You like? Yes, you do. Well, I'm looking to put things yeah. on my resume. Uh, <laughs> let's find out. All right. We'll only so, be giving him some aspects, though. Yeah. We won't, won't we cover? Actually, between the three of us, we may nearly cover all the aspects of yeah. his questions. All right. Yeah. So, you ready for this? This is. That wasn't quite what you're going for, was it? No, I was going for that. You're ready for this? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't there. I thought it was the Mission Impossible thing. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going dun, with dun, it. Dun, 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 nah, it's off um, Bring It On. <laughs> I haven't watched that. <laughs> I'm not, that's a cheerleading movie, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now I know why you watched it. All right. Okay, they've, they've first question. They've made like seven of them or six of them. 
<laughs> True story. Okay. Keep getting better. The Precision Cheerleading Podcast. Uh, <laughs> Depends why you're watching it. Do sequels <laughs> ever get better as a general rule? Mm. No. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Question one. Would it be worth a hunter with minimal scope adjustment experience change, changing from MOA to mill before starting parachuting? Mm. Looking at me? Oh, oh sure. Are you, yep. are you looking at me? Um, so is it worth changing to mill? Well, I think I think he puts a very very important clarification in there. So he's talking as though someone coming from a hunting background, but with minimal experience in adjusting scopes. So we're not talking about a guy who's got a, a you know Gen two razor mm, mm. with uh, with you know the the full setup, but in MOA, he's talking about a, a bloke that's got a, probably a three to nine by forty mm. in MOA who doesn't really adjust their scope a lot. Mm. All right, with that clarification, what do you reckon? Uh, I don't think you'd probably need to change the mill. They're both units of measurement. Um, I'd probably want to get to know your scope and how to, you know, dial it and make sure it's tracking right and it's, you know, whatever you dial is is what you're going to see downrange. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the, with the little 22 sort of comps um, that I sometimes play in, I've just got a simple duplex reticle in yep. MOA um, and you still got a dial for that. So that still works. Um, yeah, I think just, yeah, probably just confirm your data, get used to the scope, make sure that it does track and come back to zero and, um, yeah, you should be right to give it a crack. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that if it's oh. in that you – know, we're allowed to. Um, <laughs> conflict, that's what we're looking for, conflict. Uh, we – if you're in that position where you don't have the appropriate scope for the game um, in terms of it's not really set up to dial a lot and such, if you're going to buy something new, buy a mill. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. You, you're going to get into it. Most of the other shooters are going to be running mill. And that's the language that's spoken within yep. the within this. Discipline. Oh, for sure. If, you, if you're looking to get a new scope, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, yep. it doesn't sound like, you know, if you're, if you're a hunter and, and you've got a not a lot of experience with adjusting scopes. You probably haven't got scopes that adjust. So based on mm. that sort of thought. Mm. Dutchie, any thoughts on that one? Um, yeah. Yeah, i got some thoughts on it. Okay. Just going to keep him his thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not real happy with doing this guy's project for him. I thought, I thought this was his that. project. Yeah. His project is to ask questions of people who know what they're doing. Uh, now I yeah, see. see? Now yeah. I see. Of who yeah. know what they're doing. Who know what they're doing. Yeah, no. I'm just enough. here to fill in the blank bits. Question two. With your experiences in the PRS or precision shooting in general, what are some helpful tips you wish you knew before you start a competition shooting? Andy, you're probably a real example because you've sort of kicked into it in the last two years. Yeah. But we're, you know, really into hunting prior to that. What What are some things you wish you knew early on? Um kind of wish I didn't splash out on heaps of money straight away. Okay. Or, or buy. Like I I sort of went, like everything I bought was like the cheaper stuff and then, you know, at the end of it, all that cheaper stuff either broke or I threw it away and got the good stuff. Um, probably something else. So so you kind of wish you had splashed some money? Yeah, I sort of contradicted myself. Yeah, there, I was I? just wondering that. Yeah. What I sort of to clarify is not jump in and grab heaps of stuff up quickly 
Like go yep. in with what you've got, play the game for a while, and then figure out what you do need. And gotcha. Yeah, because I just went and bought a whole bunch of stuff that I thought I might need, and then didn't use it. Didn't use it, or it broke, and then ended up buying the expensive stuff. Okay. Um, yep. And you go. You yeah. go into something else. There? I was going to something else. I was thinking something a little bit more technical, but uh, what was the question again? What's some advice? Uh, helpful tip. Tips you wish you knew before you started competition shooting? Uh, probably just fundamentals. Going through mm-hmm. like your, you know, your proper trigger control, breathing, just fundamentals. Because it wasn't really until I went through a couple of training things um, that I paid a lot more attention to that. Before it was just like, yeah, yeah, pull it, yank Instinct. it. Instinct. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Any comments on this one, Dutchie? You handballing it? Well, I don't have any experience in the PRS, mm-hmm. so. I guess. What would you like to know going into PRS? Um, we, can, we can edit that huge pause out. <laughs> what, what huge I know pause? That. I know that. What yeah. huge pause? What huge pause? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just kind of like listening to other people talking about yeah. what they run and that. So like, you know, yeah. listening to people who, who do it. Who do it and yeah. – yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things that comes across is that um, being able to spot your own shot. So mm. as it's been mentioned a lot of times, low recalling, mm-hmm. rifle, maybe muzzle brake. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, you, you listen to a podcast like this to get all the helpful tips. Yeah, um, I'm not 100 percent sure on what the question was. At the, no, that's all right. At the, I at think the start, but you raise a really good point there. Where and we had a guy on the weekend. I'm sure Josh won't mind me uh, commenting on his exp- experiences. Andy just broke a chair. Yep. Well done, Andy. Woo! Good w, job. It's like wrestling. It's all right, we've got Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> not that many. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, uh, there was a guy on the weekend, Josh, who shot, and at the beginning of the weekend on the Friday when he rocked up, he was uh, talking about, uh, you know, guys are like, oh, have you got a muzzle break? Nah, 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 should be fine, should be fine, be all right, yeah, no no problems. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. And I think he was running, I think he was running seven mil of some sort, and, and you know, the comments were, you know, well, you'll, you'll probably want to get a muzzle break on there soon. Oh, just, I, might, I might just make one up myself, you know, just, just put it on there. We were like, okay, no worries, mate, no worries. I think about an hour into the competition. Yeah, I think I'm going to be going and buying. What muzzle brake should I buy, guys? I <laughs> think. Um, I yeah, and he just he saw it. He <laughs> saw it in action of of why people use it and why it's worth paying good <laughs> money to get a good muzzle brake and and so seeing those sort of things and so sometimes the tips that you can give, um, guys need to learn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. I think the other thing is. There is heaps of information available to you on Facebook, on podcasts, on other bits and pieces, and I think it's really uh, important to work out where it's coming from mm-hmm. uh, because making sure that the guys who are giving you the info are, are doing what you're intending to do and, and mm-hmm. not you know, not saying in a malicious way, just purely in that you get guys who will provide information who perhaps shoot F-class. So they mm-hmm. shoot long-range shooting and they can mm-hmm. shoot targets at a 1,000 yards comfortably really well. But the advice that they're going to give you more tailored for – It's yeah. tailored with, with through that lens. Uh, and, and, you know, same for us. Our, our 
information is uh, tailored accordingly um, the other way. So mm. it really is important to um, to know uh, where your info is coming from mm-hmm. and, and which way uh, to go about it. Um, and, and yeah, so anyway, I think, I think if you're getting info and if there's guys who jump online and are res- responding to your questions, maybe look on various uh, mm. scores and see, you know, are they – do they shoot it? Do they mm. attend? Um, that's very useful. Yeah, something else that just crossed my mind. Like when I first started, obviously I started as a hunter, so I just had a well, first rifle was a twenty two LR, and then I got a stepped up to a two seventy, which is a big step, but a lot of people do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think probably something I sh- should have taken away or should have stepped back and realised early on was don't expect a lot out of your hunting rifle, as in. My 270 was a, a lightweight sport, a barrel, you know, a hunting, stalking sort of gun. Yep. And I spent a lot of time and money in ammo, ammo and reloading, trying to get that thing shooting, you know, tiny, tiny groups where now and heating up that barrel and putting a muzzle brake on it, which was it's still good, but, you know, spending a lot of time and money on it. <clears throat> when now I look back and go, yeah, that – you know, I should have looked at that and gone, yep, yeah, that rifle isn't really built for the sort of accuracy I'm looking for. I probably should have just put that aside, left it as a a uh, close-range sort of rifle and then yep. got something more tailored towards precision rather than spending heaps of time and money on a on a 270, you know, mm-hmm. throwing $1. fifty a shot, $2 a shot, trying to get tiny groups. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, don't have unrealistic expectations on your on your cheap rifles. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't built for it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, on to number three. Benefits of shooting in PRS style competitions and why so many people are interested in this new style of shooting. Mm. All right. Well, the benefits of shooting in PRS comps. Um, I guess the there's lots of benefits, lots of different ones. It really depends on what you come to it with and what your plan is, what you want to get out of it. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, like, you know, get into it because they like shooting and they like that, you know, it looks interesting, looks dynamic. Uh, and they stay because they like the people and they like the experiences and they like, you know, the uh, the friends they make and, and bits and pieces. And we certainly see it at club level. We see that at, at the national level as well. Um but why that particular discipline? Um, I guess there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of excitement around it, there's a lot of energy around it, um, which you know many other disciplines perhaps have have had their moment with that energy. And you'll certainly still find, and it's always people related. You'll find you find pockets of any discipline where there's a, a really healthy community based around that style, and and you know you've got a couple of people who are really driving it forward. And we do have that in PRS currently, and and so you've got guys who are pushing the sport forward, uh, both from a shooting point of view, from a social point of view, and from a development point of view. And so that's why I think a lot of people are attracted to it. I mean, it looks good; it's you know, it's entertaining to watch. It's mm. uh, um, it's exciting. It's your heart racing and pumping and all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, the, some of the other benefits, I guess, uh, is your shooting ability goes up. Mm. Um, most, I would say, I don't know what the percentage, I mean, percentages are made up anyway. So let's say 70%, um, of guys who get into it are from a hunting background. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I reckon. Too far off. Um, and 
most of them, very few of them have lots of range experience. And so I think you find that these guys come from that, that sort of ilk. Mm. And I know for myself and I know for many other people, they have gotten better at hunting in terms of their um, ability to utilize their rifle well. Mm. Um, their other skills, if they're stalking or anything like that, that's, that doesn't help in those regards. But they certainly can make that shot quicker, um, easier from more positions, more stable, um, much more comfortable, more ethical shot. So certainly see those benefits. Yeah, yeah, completely agree there. Um, yeah, I've been out hunting a few times, like since doing precision shooting. And um, yeah, I find just being able to get on target a lot quicker, get comfortable a lot quicker, whether that's on the ute or off a tree or mm. whatever it is, even like, <laughs> yeah, it's one time we're out <laughs> and and I just like, you know, what are you going on about now? We're shooting, going to go into a band Shooting grass. Shooting grass. Shooting shooting grass. grass. Oh, okay. Water. <laughs> this one time I saw her out in the paddock some grass. <laughs> anyway. Took it down. Took it down. Yeah. I thought, oh, the grass is too long to go prone. It's too far away for standing up. Oh, look, there's a star dropper. I actually went up, put the game changer straight on it, mm-hmm. free recoiled it and nailed it. I was like, yeah. awesome. Nice. Like, yeah. Gives you diversity and skill, gives you, yeah, the ability to be confident. Yeah, that. yeah, that's it. Confidence is a huge part of it. And I've, I've had mates I've helped out, like they've come to the range, like from a hunting background, and I've just, you know, helped them get their zero work out to distance. Yep. And then they've gone away hunting and they came back and said, yeah, we were hitting everything just knowing that our rifles were shooting where, like we knew they would be, you know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But just, yeah, getting more trigger time and, being more comfortable, being able to manipulate your rifle quicker and easier, more efficiently, like being on the back of the ute, bumping around. Like like I have when I'm out spotlighting, I'll have my mag pouches on me. I'll have like I know where all my gear is. I can do a quick mag change. I can, you know, unload and load the rifle quickly, swap to a different rifle, use the sling. Like it's just, you know, weapon manipulation becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it becomes smoother. What about you, Dutchie? What what the what's the attraction uh, attraction attraction uh, of PRS style competitions and bits and pieces for you being you know very much a hunter's background? Yeah, a, lo- a lot of what you've covered is just you know becoming more familiar with the rifle, mm. p- performing at known known distances and um, awkward shooting positions, and also um, I suppose the one for me that's um, very important is being able to shoot while your heart's pumping. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while you've been active, because um, walking, like I've done a lot of walking around hunting, mm-hmm. um, not so much like stalking through scrub or anything like that, but like no, walk, just covering walking, distance. Yeah, and up and down hills mm. and at night carrying a spotlight, um, sometimes when you find your target, you, you're halfway up a hill, you, your heart's going a million miles an hour, you're breathing heavy. Mm. You don't get a chance to go, all right, I need to compose myself. You've got to see that target and, you know, make the most of your opportunity that you get. And mm. that's being able to shoot offhand while your heart's going crazy. You're trying to get oxygen in yep. whilst you're, uh, the vomit you're chasing is uh, <laughs> still trying to make sense of why someone's shining a light at me. So yep. um, I suppose a lot of like pressure shots being in – real world conditions for what I want to achieve is uh, a big attraction of PRS style shooting as opposed to other disciplines where it's mm. um, 
very I composed. I guess more, more controlled and composed. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're either on a bench or laying down. You've got plenty of time. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I find the skill transfer to the kind of hunting I like to do is invaluable. So, yep. Yeah, and something else like going, like you're touching on like real world sort of things, especially when you're out hunting, that rifle manipulation, but also the safety side of it. Like I've known like going out shooting with farmers and other, you know, blokes who don't go out much, you know, they're waving the thing around, pointing it who, which way, everywhere, and you're sort of going, oh, crap. Mm. But then like, you know, you know uh, you know, you're like 100% in control and you know where that thing's pointing so you just feel safer within yourself as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's becoming more comfortable with the gun. Mm. Absolutely. Right, the big one here. What are the estimated costs for you to shoot for a year? For example, ammo, parts, barrels, travel, membership, competition, entry fees, etc., etc. This is a, uh, a question that um, could be very little or heaps, and I think that's um, that's what it boils down to: is how much you want to do and where you, where you live is going to play a big role in this um, as well. So let's base it on being where we are in South Australia now, um, and look at some options because you know the the club that we are you know, members at mm-hmm. is one hundred and twenty dollars a year for membership to the club. And that will give you about 20-odd competitions to be able to shoot for the year at no additional charge um, between rimfire and centerfire. And so then, you know, which of those competitions you choose to shoot will come down to ammo costs. And that's purely, you know, a normal club match is somewhere around, say, 50 rounds in centerfire and about 100 rounds in rimfire. So you could be 50 to to $100 for your... Centerfire, depending on what you're running, uh, and you could be for your rimfire, ten bucks a match, fifteen bucks a match, depending on your ammo costs. So, um, doesn't have to be super expensive for those sort of things. As soon as you start travelling, um, it comes with its own costs. You know, uh, you you depending where you're going, if you're flying, if you some of those costs are being stuck in a vehicle with some of the people that you go to. Yeah, mer- shooting comes with them. Emotional you know, costs. Yeah, yeah. You, hard to factor in. Yeah, they like. Mm. Mm, they m- money is just. There's no compensation for that, so it's just horrible <laughs> experience. That's right. That's right. So take into those emotional factors, but uh, you know, if you're going to be in in Adelaide here and you're going to zip up to Mildura, <laughs> it's what five hours. It's not overly expensive in fuel. Um, Psychologists are expensive. Yeah, I mean, when you get back and you're like, I spent 14 hours with these guys. Yeah, make some wise decisions on who you travel (laughs) with. Yeah, I need to buy more gear. (laughs) (laughs) Make up for it. Your hearing protection is both good for competitions and on the way to competitions. (laughs) Um, Just a little tip there. Yep. You're Mm -hmm. welcome. in terms of competitions, uh, costs, uh, you know, the steel slam on the weekend was $80. Um, Dinner included for that. Um, the the PRS matches range from about two fifty to three hundred um, ballpark, uh, but they include you know, a whole stack more, um, you know, sort of three day events and bits and pieces. So, you know, if you're gonna if you want to compete in the series for the year, um, you got to do two comps, and that you know might get you to, into the finale. Um, maybe do three if you want to up your score a little bit. Um, you don't have to do 
seven, eight, nine, ten competitions a year. It's not realistic for anyone to be doing that. Um, it's it's really designed that there's more and more comps, so you've got comps that you can get to more in your local area. And that's certainly the way things will go next year. There may be a few extra comps added, but they'll be added in places that don't already have, you know, a comp or, or any more than one comp. And so if you're in SA, you can go to Mildura, shoot or be involved with the local one at Monado and then flick over to um, Little River. It's about a seven-hour drive mm-hmm. or so. And, you know, that, that, that means your, your costs are limited. A lot of rangers let you camp on site. So if you're happy to camp, um, that's generally not – I don't think any of the PRS matches you have to pay for camping. No, I haven't yet. No. Um, so you can keep it relatively cheap. In terms of your barrels, yeah, you may go through a barrel a year. What do, what do you think you're going to end up having done, um, Yeah, gee, I really want to think about it. <laughs> in terms but, of barrel? Oh, in terms of oh, how many rounds have I put through it? Yeah, and, and do you, or, or, like at the end of this season you'll retire your barrel and get something new? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I reckon I'd probably be up about the 1,500, almost 1,600 as a ballpark. I mean, yep. I'm only going off how many boxes of primers I've gone through. So really a sensible so, way to work it out though. Yeah, yeah. So mm. I'm halfway through my second box ish. Yep. Um yeah, and I'm sort of ballparking like on the on like the interstate sort of trip. So I'm you know, I'm just throwing a figure out there. I'm going, Oh, yeah, it's gonna cost me roughly twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks. And that's yep. fuel, food, the entry, um ammo. Ammo. Um what else is there? Beverages. Oh yeah, that. And then, you know, possibly accommodation if you, if it's too Depending. cold to camp. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm. yeah, I think yeah, you know, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks for the for the comp, you know. Mm. Plus, and then you've got to allow for time off if you can get annual leave, and then you get paid for while you're being away. That's good. Sure. But if you don't, then that's an extra day or two you're not working. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not getting. Mm. So, you can do things, particularly the local ones. You can do you can do a lot cheaper. Um, yeah, comes comes down to it. And then, you know, you might want to tie things in. You know, a lot of guys with the Darwin matches or even some of the, the Queensland uh, Queensland match in a week and a bit, uh, a lot of guys are using that as an excuse for a holiday. Yeah, for sure. So families going up there with them and, and all that sort of gear. That probably doesn't relate so much to this young lad. Um, probably isn't uh, in that position with kids or anything. But, um, you know, you choose choose your couple of matches you want to go to and, mm. you know, save up for those and get yeah. along to your local club and yeah, well, yeah, ne- next involved. year I'm planning on making a holiday out of Northern Territory, yeah. out of Darwin. Yeah, I'll go up there for a week and a bit. Butters will be happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Excellent. What gear would you consider essential and what gear is unimportant? That's uh, that's two extremes, isn't it? Uh, there's no middle ground on that. No. What's uh, Unimportant. Not important. Um, I'd say unimportant for a PRS match would be a rangefinder. I'd say that's unimportant. You well, can, it's, yeah, you that's, that's borrow, a fair call. You can either yeah. borrow other people's or, you know, you get given your distances. So, Yep. What about in essential? I mean, you know, Dutchie can probably cover off the main core essential items. Um, a good dialable scope Yep, would be probably first, assuming you've got a rifle, but if you don't. Rifle scope. Ticking, ticking some well, boxes. I don't, I don't know how, how much they want us to get into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's start with the, the essentials. All the so essentials. Far, so far, oh, everything you're doing is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Rifle, scope. Um, what else would be essential? 
Uh, nah, you can get bags. You don't need a bipod. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just borrow the borrow. Just rifle and scope, and just have fun. Good attitude. Hmm. Um, you summed but it if up. If you better. rock up with a rifle and a scope that can you can dial to five hundred, six hundred meters or whatever the comp is. Yeah. Hmm. People are going to help you out. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's really like essential to, to be on essential. Yeah, yeah hmm. that's really Absolutely. all you need. Rock up with a smile. Ammo. Maybe ammo. Some ammo. Ammo. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> some some people load rounds for when they're tired, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know how this is going to go." You know what, mate? You just take these. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, that never happens. You need ammo. <laughs> Essential. Yeah. yeah. Ag- agreed. Yeah. yeah. Rifle, scope, ammo. Uh, that's if you've got that, you you'll you'll get underway. You will. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Andy. You know, you, you're probably being lent stuff. Oh yeah, regularly. definitely to start yeah. out with. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once you start winning, they stop lending it to you a bit. Oh, you're pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, what yeah, would... so just don't win. Yeah. <laughs> no, no End problem. of the day, you're like, oh, I'm 20 points up. Oh, I'm just going to throw it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to buy any of this stuff. <laughs> Good mate. So what would be second tier essential, Andy? What would you put in your – in so if you're gonna, you know, you're gonna buy a few bits and pieces. Yep. What's what's getting the money first? Yeah, I was, I was just going back. I reckon that would be like a cool, cool stage, bare essential stage, rifle, ammo, scope, and then just like, you know, they just got to work it out from there. <laughs> but anyway, um, going on, you could call prob- that the the blue stage. Jungle Book, you know, bare necessities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Oh, yeah. There you go. Anyone out there wants to do a stage? Jungle Book. <laughs> Jungle Book. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, probably the next. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should have a second podcast. <laughs> Funny you mention that. <laughs> um, so probably the second tier of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, bipod. Yep. I'd go bipod, rear bag. Um. That's probably it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think as I'm going to throw in, um, I'm going to throw in a sling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yep. If, on the condition, you know, you learn how to use it. Yep. And I will also throw into that a. Uh, um, oh, can we change our essentials answer? Guess so. Of course we can. We're in charge of this. Oh, yeah, this good is our point. podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. right. When you're asking us like we say no, 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 you may not. Locked it in. So just, How dare you? Just make sure you make a note on your I'm assignment not, yeah. there. I'm just not changing to... it. Um, but what I'm going to add in, I am going to add in data. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I thought that was I, I was thinking the yeah, uh, that exact same thing. Yeah, data um, is essential. This yeah. is assuming you are able to hit things out to 500 meters and have Agreed. reliable data. So with yeah. that being essential, my my – Next level would be some sort of uh, data card holder or something yep. where you've got data presented right there because you you can run a match with data on your phone or written down or something like that, mm. um, but having it being able to be easily presented in your front of your face um, is definitely good a good step. So well, I yeah. ran a print off of um, data out to five six hundred meters just um, sticky taped mm. onto my scope. Yep. Um, Yep. For years, yeah, and mm. I, I just refer to it. Yeah, um, sti- uh, just yeah, sticky tape. So there was no paper showing, so yep. it was still water resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you don't need to do anything elaborate. Just no. have those numbers there that you can look at quickly yep. and just 
Yeah. 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 But I'd say that the next, you know, the next tier has uh, something where you could just write the, the relevant data for that particular stage with that particular targets down. Um, texture and pen. Um, yeah. Texture, texture and wet wipes. Now yeah. we're getting flash, aren't we? Yeah, it's right. These parents, geez, flash as. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about not important items? What's way low on the on the buy list? Way low. Um, you said range finder. I'd agree with that. I'd probably throw in spotting scope. Yeah. Um, these these are not things that are like you would never consider bringing. These are things that oh, yeah. you could definitely have and plenty of guys have and they're useful, but they're far from essential. Yeah, um, and on a tripod probably. I wouldn't say that that's essential. It's not essential. Um, it's not essential. It's um, – it's, when we – You can definitely borrow other people's. Yeah, we saw it <laughs> buck and they're a bit more important than they have been previously, but yep. that's not necessarily going to be the same in every match. Mm. And you will learn, you know, which match directors allow you to use tripods more than other match directors won't allow you to use tripods much. So that will come down to uh, very being being very match dependent. Mm. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I, a, a good set of binos is probably useful. It's somewhere in between. Um, but it's unessential items. Anything else? I'd like to say Kestrel's not essential if you've got like just a, some other reasonable way of getting data. Yep. Um, it's yeah, nice, I'd, but I'd you put know, that for, I'd put that in the middle there yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean it's great to have, and yeah, if you put some money into, it, I mean if that is your ballistic solver, mm. then great buy it, buy it early. Yeah. Mm. Mm, well, truly. Yeah, you can really strip it back when you think about it, can't you? I, I don't know. I've Rifle never shot scope, a BRS comp. So. Rifle scope. I'm just ammo. taking notes at the moment. <laughs> I can tell. Yep. That's all right. You'll forget. Here's one for you to have a gig at. Dutchy uh, knee pads are really useful. Yeah, of course they are. You can, yeah. you can hit things really hard when you've got, got armor on. Mm, that's right. So being able to get in position and crawl or whatever you need to do to build your positions, knee pads are useful. Um, I'd say long sleeve shirts is essential. I can't do them. Can't do them? Just can't do them. No, that's probably why I got cut today. It wasn't a suicide attempt. That was a legit cut. Anyway. That's a scratch, not a cut. Yeah, it's a scratch. (laughs) It's a good scratch. Anyway. They like buggery though. Yep. Proper attire. That's not a stupid suggestion. No, uh, don't wear shorts though. I'll back you up on that. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. long. I, I always go long sleeve, long pants. You know, you're down on the down on your knees and prone on your elbows, and you'll get mm. sore elbows and knees if you, yeah, yeah, jumping around like that. So mm, very mm. good. Yeah. Do you uh, wear oh. a, Do you wear a hat when you're shooting? Essentials. Ear yeah. pro. Ear pro. Ear yeah. Pro. We. Yep. We we covered that earlier about some. Oh, that was that was traveling in the car with Nick. Yeah. Um, sorry, <laughs> I, I was traveling in the car with people on the way to yep. matches. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you a- Anybody and no one in particular. <laughs> <laughs> Most people. Uh, yeah. What was the last thing you just said? I don't remember. Oh. That was ages ago. It's ages ago. Ear pro, definitely essential. What's yeah. an ear pro? Ear pro. It's uh, someone who's really good at being an ear. <laughs> 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 that, that is that is a professional ear. <laughs> Really good listener. Hearing, <laughs> hearing oh, protection. That is good. Hearing protection. Yeah, yeah hearing yeah. protection. That's right. Description. I asked, do you wear a hat when you were oh, shooting? That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do? I do. Yeah. Probably just to keep all the hair out of my face. Yeah. So if you <laughs> had less hair, you'd be not requiring. So a hat. probably me then, <laughs> as opposed to you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to be careful with the hat sometimes. Like if it's down too low, it'll it's a scope. hit my scope and yeah. stuff like that. So I usually 
ride it high <laughs> and then <laughs> – What about your hat though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Next question. Yep. What, what sort of other hats would be inappropriate? You think like <laughs> top hat? Top hat? No, top, top hat would be great. I'd, I'd award bonus points for a top yeah. hat at a match. Well, there you go. You've yeah. heard it first. <laughs> top hats are in. Watch top space. hats are in. Jester <laughs> yeah. hats as well. They would be good because okay. as yeah. you there move you move around, it'll, what about it'll a sombrero. Uh, they have guys have worn sombreros yeah, to there matches. You go. Look, yep. here's all the inside tips. Sun, sun safe, mate. Sun yeah. safe. Yep. Yeah, sombrero bandits. Yeah, yeah, that that has happened. Uh, all right. So, what was that one? Uh, what a can diving helmet? Probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, Heard it here first. I will film it. <laughs> I'll film it. That that you'll make YouTube if that happens. So, so you protect uh, eye protection. You wouldn't like scuba mask. Uh, possibly. <laughs> I can think of worse things. Um, but moving on, moving on. Uh, what can you shooters expect from their first match? Disappointment. <laughs> Disappointment, <laughs> harassment, tears. You can't speak from experience. No, no, no we're talking. Yeah, this is what I'm expecting. <laughs> oh, okay. <yeah. laughs> it says, what can they expect? So this is targeted at me, not you guys. So. Okay, sorry. Right. What do you expect? Um, trophies, parades, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yep. Portaloos. Yeah, Portaloos. <laughs> Some foul smells that are exotically arousing. <laughs> okay. Foul smells from the Orient. I'm, now, um, I'm take, now I'm taking notes on this one. <laughs> How to make PRS matches. How to set up the loo. Oh, oh right. damn it, I've been missing out. Uh, add a dash of this and a dash of that and uh, no one will come out the toilet. <laughs> Please. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> have a laugh, I guess. Yep. What am I expecting? Yeah, no, uh, have a laugh. Maybe hit some targets. Probably miss most of them, but you know. What did I don't you? Know, great expectations. What did you expect from your first match, Andy? Um, I started off ro rowing or, or spotting. Yep. The first few. Um, but really, just watching the other guys, just seeing how they approach stages, and the mishaps that they have. What did yeah. you expect? You're not answering the oh, question. Oh, what did I expect? You're oh, expecting just to, to be watching other absorb, people. Absorb, absorb as much information as, as, could. I, as I can. But yeah. hit okay. some targets while you're I didn't, there? Or? Oh, yeah. I was expecting to hit well, he, some stuff. He won. <laughs> Although if we, if we roll back to your first, do you remember your first PRC match, which is probably really what gave you a lot of your skills in that regard? Yeah. Um, yep. Going through that series. Mm. But for that first one, um, what did you what did you take away from there? Was there any particular lessons you learnt? Oh, yeah, positional. positional, positional. Yep, learning how to get in position quickly. I remember that was yeah, I struggled with that. You know, oh, what position do I get into? And then once I thought about it and got into position, I was like, no, this is crap. I'll move. Yeah, and then um, yeah, what else did I take away? Uh, being able to yeah, uh, like zoom out. Don't use as much zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just oh, so many things you can. Take away, but I expected just to have fun, hit some stuff, but mainly just watch the other guys and figure out what I should be doing. I think one of the things that I always we always spoke about when we, back when we were training is uh, I highly encourage guys to go and shoot a match as one of the mm. first things they would do, because what it would give you is a list of things that you knew you were bad at, mm. or you struggled with, or whatever, and so it really directed your focus as to where you were going wrong. Now, it's, some people can't, you know, 
just, you know, they want to get that stuff squared away first. But it doesn't matter, you know, whenever it comes, mm. your first match is not usually going to go great. Mm. Um, and, you know, in your instance where you won your first PRS match, it's it's mostly because you've been shooting practical sort of rimfire mm. matches for the previous year and, and worked your way up through there. And so... Uh, yeah, you, you will expect to find all the stuff exposed that you're not great at. Yeah. And, you know, so go in expecting to enjoy yourself and to have fun and not get hung up on that sort of gear. Mm. The, the guys who are competing at the top tier, of, uh, you know, have been doing it for quite a long time and are very good at it, mm. uh, really good at it. And um, they're the guys to watch and learn from, as you said, and, and they're also approachable. And oh, definitely. Yep. should, you know, work out in your squad, you know, chat away to the people in your squad because generally – they're gonna, they're gonna help you out. Yeah, you know, it's very. Uh, it would be very rare and, and unusual um, for someone not to, you know, be happy to engage and talk with you. And yep. if you, I mean, don't speak to some of the guys. You know, like when they're prepping to go and shoot. You know, they're a shooter or two out from actually shooting. It's probably not the best time to go. Hey, what would you? What would you? Uh, <laughs> What's would, the wind hold? Yeah, well, well <laughs> wind hold maybe. But what? What type of bag should I buy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, give them a chance to come off the line and and then ask them why they missed. Okay, yeah. Why'd you miss all why those easy miss, shots? Yeah. Surely you should have got those. <laughs> I've seen your name on the top of the scoreboard. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. that that's probably not a bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get stuck into them. Get what, stuck. What target were you aiming at? Because I didn't see you hit anything. <laughs> I was going to ask you a question, but I think you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were good at this. So, a few people ask you questions, then Andy. Oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Just yeah. pull the trigger. <laughs> oh, so uh, you meant to skill. squeeze the trigger? See, <laughs> there there you go. Yeah. yeah, you got to check where this information's yeah. coming yeah, exactly. from. Yeah, exactly. Andy, but little. I mean, like we've. He done only one one Australia wide. God, three. Oh, but he, isn't, he, <laughs> isn't he the production champion? Now? No, no, don't give him that much credit. Far out, he hasn't no. even. No, we've not got to the finale not yet. yet. He could definitely be. In, it's about oh, four, he's just qualified. There's about four other guys uh, who could knock him off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, my barrel's on its way out. So. Oh, is that what you're That's what I've heard. You're setting it's, up your failure already. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's laying down all oh, of the excuses. What can you expect? Learn the greatest excuses. <laughs> Why oh, it's you, all going to go poorly. And you'll hear some rippers. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah my firing pin excuse. I was going <laughs> to reload all my stuff properly, but I couldn't be bothered. So I was, you know, yeah, I was using virgin brass for the whole match. Barista, bl- barista blend um, uh, powder. Oh, we got one of our but, Patreon supporters yeah. has said, uh, expect to learn a lot. Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot. Um, you know, a lot's not a real word. And Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's two words. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, expect to <laughs> expect learn to have your grammar. English grammar. <laughs> <laughs> expect to have your grammar corrected <laughs> yeah. by touching. <laughs> <laughs> you rock up, you're like, g'day, mate. But g'day's not an actual word, you know. It's, it's good day, but because <laughs> you're Australian, you shortened it, didn't you, you lazy bastard? <laughs> Was there an apostrophe between that G and D? <laughs> Because if there wasn't, <laughs> if there wasn't, <laughs> get off my range. <laughs> so I can see you don't. It's not you haven't shot matches because you're you're not got around to it. You're not allowed to. You're banned from. Them. I'm banned from a lot of places. <laughs> Good. Um, well, but, yeah, I was just going to add. Um, like I'd say, like everyone in the PRS thing, come away from a match wanting to practice or needing. Or came away. Came away. <laughs> <laughs> they they have 
They have come away. Left. They, left they have the left match. the match. They moved on to they other things. With a list of items. Environment. With a list of <laughs> items that they need to work on. The thing is about that list, though, is it can be, like as Aaron points out uh, here on uh, on Patreon, that you, you end up with a, a massive list mm. and all these different things to work out. And it can be really. Um, Daunting. Daunting to work out. Well, how We're do on I, the same page. How man. do I do that? Yeah. yeah. And and Andy, have you got a have you got a technique to work out what how to tackle that list? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you do? He just forgets what's on the list. Yeah. And just <laughs> yeah. Goes to the next match. Oh, you're like, oh, was I, I meant must... to do something. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> All right. Here's here's um, a suggestion that I have. Then uh, is if you go through the match. You will probably see a trend of the types of shots you missed. Mm. You'll see, you know, some you can allocate to, oh, I was bad in this position. And then some you, you know, my, my, you know, my breathing really was, was inconsistent throughout or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And whatever aspect um, touches the most of your misses, yep. work on that first. Yeah, I, th I think the thing that just really hit me the hardest, if that makes sense. So I know that from Mildura I took away – I need to practice on freehand and using a sling. Yes. Yeah. And from Little River, I was like, okay, I need to learn how to use magazines. I thought you were going to say use a sling in freehand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then from Bucken, yeah. it was about shooting freehand even though there was no freehand shots. <laughs> Still, no. Yeah. You're right, but magazine. Yeah, so learning how to, you know, well, mine kept falling out of the, the holders that I had, so <laughs> got rid of them, got some other ones. Mm -hmm. um, learning how to load quicker and, you know, do a, a mag change quickly and effectively. And, um, uh, yeah, Bucken took away. I need to learn how to free recoil a bit better, especially off rooftops. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think just probably, yeah, like you said, focus on the ones that let you down the most. Yep. Um, the yeah. ones that would have the biggest impact if you, if you fix them. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I think so. So, if, you know, you, you might come out of a match and your data was all over the place and you were, you know, your elevations were way off and, you know, Work on changing your data better, mm. working on locking that down or confirming it or understanding that temperature can, can really change that, atmospherics can really mm. change that. Um, these are all things that, you know, that, that can help you. But you don't have to look at, you know, if you looked at, if you tried to work out every single thing that was wrong with your shooting, you'd oh, be yeah. there forever. We'd all would. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I forgot the question. Uh, what, what can you shooters expect in the first match? Expect expect nothing, and just receive rock up and everything. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, what is? You? No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't rock up okay. with that attitude. <laughs> what is the role of range officers? Is the next question. So basically, get the best gangster um, brass catch. <laughs> yeah. Um, true. Demanding respect, I think, is <laughs> probably a big one. Yelling, yelling a lot. <laughs> uh, okay, let's clarify a couple of things. So range officers, a term is the, the within Australia correctly is applied to the, the people who are registered as range officers for that particular range and in charge of opening and closing and the safety side of the range. 
the, the terminology for the, the, the next step is the stage officers. So stage officers cover um, sort of all the the people that are involved in running a stage of uh, a PRS sort of style shoot. Now, sometimes they may be range officers as well, sometimes maybe not. Uh, it just depends on the range and the legalities on individual setups. But um, usually you'll have three different people involved in that scenario and you'll have a what I call stage runner, and they are the person who usually runs the timer. They're the ones interacting directly with the shooter, and they're uh, um, you know, often sometimes called head ROs or, or head stage officers or whatever, and they are the ones facilitating uh, everything. They're usually doing the stage briefs and all that sort of gear. You also have the spotter who's, funnily enough, spots, um, and we'll call out impact. Um, ideally, um, on some longer targets, you'll have two of those if you can, a couple of sets of eyes on targets, or if there's quite a spread of targets, being able to have a couple of different spotters is very useful. And then you often have a scorer as well, and they're the ones that will, you know, in the PRS level or, or our, our club, we run iPads for our scoring. Sometimes Some people still write scores down and bits and That's pieces. That's a free plug for Apple. We want free iPads. We do want free iPads. We do. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind one of the new iPhones either while you're at it. There you Apple. go. Come on, Apple. Thanks. Come on. The hot dog. We have a wiener. So if we can get onto that, that'd be wonderful. And they usually run the uh, the tablets. Is that better? Um, not giving away free promotion. No, I'm, no. Okay, no, iPads. We run the Apple, Apple. We want free iPad gear. Pros. Um, generally the. Eleven-inch anyway, ones. I don't know. Uh, so they run the scoring system. They and they hit, you know, do that sort of gear and check with the shooter to confirm the scores and bits and pieces like that. So that's usually the the three roles. You do get some combinations. You get you know guys who run the stage can also spot and guys who spot score and be whatever whatever works to make it work. Uh, but ideally, three is uh, is excellent. So that's generally the roles. Anything to add, Andy? Uh, got yeah, MD match director. Oh yeah. Yeah, match director who generally would write the stages, uh, design the whole sort of match, and and make the they're the ones who will make the decisions. You know, if you've got a, uh, a you know, you think oh, I should have got an extra point there or something here or this interpretation was incorrect, and bring that up with the match director, and they'll either you know let you know the decision on it one way or the other. They're there to ensure that everyone's um, complying with all the range rules and match rules. And match directions, I suppose. Um, yeah, you'll find that. safety and mm. all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So, Breaking it down to squad mums as well. Oh, that's well, that's a really good point. Yeah, because that's how we ran on the, on the weekend. Is yeah, just as a, as a more local sort of smaller thing. Mm. Well, what I mean, the, the same three positions exist, mm. but they're, you know, in, in a scenario where you're running squad mums, um, they're just run by, they're facilitated by people in the squad and often you'll have two or three, four people in this. Well, you have one or two, the way we've been doing it, one or two squad mums, and they are the people who are designated to ensure that those three positions are filled and not necessarily be the ones who fill those positions. And so, you know, trying to get everyone in that, that's what was really good about the Steel Slam the weekend just gone is that um, all the shooters, or majority of shooters, were able to spot or score or do something like that. I actually run a separate stage over the course of the weekend. So there was the the three squads running over four different shooting positions, running two uh, stages per shooting position. 
an exterior to that, I ran a I ran my own stage um, separately, and the deal was that the the guys would have to come out of their squad, come down to the end, and shoot without sort of imbalancing their squads. So it was an interesting test to do. Uh, was challenging to to take guys out of their squads when there was the squad mom situation. Would have been easier if everyone had ROs on and stage officers on their stages. But um, either way, they came down, and so I'd just make sure I'd have two or three of them, give them a stage brief. All right. You're spotting, you're shooting, and then you guys will reverse and spot and shoot for each other, and away we go. And we were able to run that, yeah, quite efficiently and got through it quite comfortably. So it worked worked quite well. Um, so I was the you know, officially the match director, but it was a lower key match, and so I didn't have to do any you know, big decision making and was able to just sit on the side. And I was the only stage officer, I guess, for the uh, for the entire weekend, mm. for for the day, uh, for thirty odd shooters, and yeah, it went really smoothly. Very good. That's good. Right, here we go. Uh, one of these questions. Which caliber would you... Better get the grammar Nazi onto this yeah, one. Touchy would not be enjoying this question. Which caliber do you believe is Don't best? Don't being referred to as a Nazi. That has <laughs> negative connotations. Such as what? I'm organized. <laughs> Which caliber would do you believe is best and most forgiving for new shooters and which caliber would you consider best overall for long range shooting? Right. Yeah. Uh, oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Um, long range being yeah, in so PRS? Let's, let's leave yeah. that last one yeah. off for a second. Uh, which would you best believe is best and most forgiving for new shooters? Yeah, twenty twos. I think twenty twos. I'm gonna say twenty twos. Yeah, I think if you keep it within the two to three range, probably fit like for new shooters. We we were legit saying twenty twos. Oh, um, because this question is, uh, which is the best and most forgiving for new shooters? Mm. Um, yeah, you get a ton yeah. of practice, heaps yeah. of practice, a lot low, more trigger time, low yeah. recoil, low cost. Um, you'll get the basics, you'll build positions, you'll do all those sort of mm. things. And if there's rimfire competitions nearby, um, you'd be silly not to get involved in that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But if you were going to move into center fire, if you were, if you, you know, your goal was to shoot PRS straight away, um, what are you suggesting, Andy? Yeah, well, I think there's obviously a massive progression towards six mils. Um, mm -hmm. If you've got heavy enough rifle with a break, they'll be rather forgiving. Yep. I think. Um exceptionally, yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're if you're looking for one step below that, probably on a cheaper side as well, the two two three or or something, um mm -hmm. with the with the faster twist weight, heavier heavier projectile, still get out to five hundred quite easily. Yep. Um that will also be a bit cheaper on the bit cheaper and very forgiving as well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. On a for a new shooter, I think a two two three would be, yeah, quite good. They'll mm. get a several years service life out of it, if if not more. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with the uh, the twist rate mm. uh, suggestion. Making sure you get a fast twist rate, so like a one in eight, one in seven, if you can, yep. something on there, uh, because then that just opens up your options for projectiles that'll be more suitable mm. uh, for. Um, Pushing those distances that you would you would encounter. You, you think a one and nine would be good? One and nine's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, then you can 
use it for your spotlighting gun as well. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah either it. way. Yeah. And so that would be good um, if you were, you know, if you were buying something. I mean, the 6.5 Creedmoor is going to come up and with a brake on, it's uh, it's forgiving. It's fine. It's good. Mm. It's not a bad way to go. More expensive. So I guess we're, we're trying to be a bit budget-minded there perhaps. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing ideal. Which calibre would you consider best overall for long-range shooting? Now, this is a very ambiguous term. Oh, as 338, uh, 50 cal. <laughs> well, I mean, mate, I'm happy yeah. to throw that question open as broad as it says. So um, in PRS, what's your pick now? Andy, you're you're nearly a year into your first season. What if you were going to rebarrel tomorrow and kick yourself out of production? What would it be? What would you go for? I would still stick with six five Creed. Um, okay. Yeah, I've, I've it, I know the the round. I've got all the loading stuff for it. Okay. It's just so if that was going to be in primary barrel and you had the funds to get a secondary barrel, as you sort of started to play with other things. Yeah. Anything that's got your attention. As a long range sort of. As a PRS type cartridge, oh. might go down to a six mil. Mm-hmm. Anything particular? No, it just hasn't paid attention the, to the research. Nah, no, the GT. It's Gay. looking awfully popular at the moment. Gay Tiger, it is. <laughs> yeah, sensible. <laughs> we could be yeah. Gay Tiger buddies. That sound in the portaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. Sounds great. Okay, talk about it. What about in uh, in something different for long range shooting? If we're going to be stretching out further, yeah. Um, what's the caliber that Ben uses? The three seven five Shadak. There you go. That one. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you really want to stretch it out. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Nice. Well, you're running a three hundred rum, aren't you, Dutchy? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, I like thirty cows. The projectiles are fairly cheap. If you start stepping it up to bigger, mm-hmm. it starts to get expensive. Uh, it depends what long range is to you, I suppose. Yeah. Like I would really enjoy having a large caliber mm. um, rifle, but yeah, I just can't see myself utilizing it. Yeah, yeah, all that often enough to justify putting mm. a heap of money. I think yeah, probably also depends what you. Doing long range, if it's just still like shooting gongs, then obviously Travis got out to a thousand with a two four three, running eighty seven grainers. Yeah. yeah, so it's a big doable, doable yeah. to get out to distance. Yeah, um, obviously a, shooting game at that distance is that's probably not the best caliber to go with. Sure, yeah. sure. I've got a three three eight Lapier, uh, which is uh, good for a couple of clicks. So and probably more. Just haven't had the chance or dedication yeah. or, or been yeah the time. A um, couple of clicks being a couple of Ks. No, nah, just a couple of clicks, like 0. 0.2 mil. Oh. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. A couple of Ks, yes. A couple of Ks. That's like pulling teeth, isn't it? Yeah. I, no, I knew you were joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting. <laughs> waiting for what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, 338 lap is uh, good. I did think about re- rebarreling to a 300 Norma. Um, but I haven't. So there you go. There you go. Shaytac would be nice. I mean, if you really are trying to push it out, the, the 375 Shaytac variations uh, do seem to hit some some real uh, points and, and are used significantly. Mm. So that may be a path to go down. Or you could just watch Ben on the Long Gun Project. Yeah, just watch someone else. Yeah, watch someone else mm. do it. That's a good way to do it. So I think we cover the uh, cover that up. You option. know... What's the caliber that Nick's using 
Is that some wildcat? Of course it is, it's Nick. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he's running. No. no. Uh, all right, here's a question for you, Dodgy. Do you train for the PRS? And if so, how often and what do you practice? I do train for the PRS. I know. Um, everything, shooting positions, mag changes. Yep. Like dummy rounds so you can um, feel what it's like to close on an empty, empty chamber, sorry. Yep. Um, you, lots of Very things. Smart. There's, there's so many, like getting in and out of, out of your sling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, there's just so much, but you're not going to know what you're going to need to do until you really get there and find out mm-hmm. where your weak points are. I suppose. Um, that being said, I haven't shot a PRS match. I just know from hunting my weak points. Um, things You'll that find I some more. Think, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> there, there's plenty. There is plenty. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm pretty keen to see you come out and shoot. By the sounds of it, you've been doing some practice. Yeah, mate. That's what the question was about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have so been practicing. When are you going to shoot? Don't, well, don't, don't you know, I keep failing me. drug tests for my job, so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe once, once I once job. I clean my act up, yeah. I guess is what they're trying to say. <laughs> We're not going to employ you while the cup's melting, mate. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't really care because the cup's melting. Look at that; that's just blowing my mind. That's right. I don't remember if that was in this episode or the one that we didn't press record on. Can't remember now. Oh damn it! Yeah. We might have recorded that. Anyway, yeah. I keep failing drug tests because the cup keeps melting. <laughs> Yep, if, uh, for those Patreon supporters who are watching, it's <laughs> a throwback to an episode that never existed. Yes. Uh, anyway, but there um, you go. Good times. Good. What about you, Andy? Uh, you, you know, you're a regular competitor now, and what are you currently training on, or do you train, or is there a method to your madness? Yeah, I mean, when I'm not working too much, I'll definitely do a bit of dry fire at home. Um, but yeah, probably on that on those things that I notice at matches that I'm lacking in, so. I think um, the week after I got back from one of the matches, and I was like, "Oh man, I need to, I need to really practice unsupported yep. using a sling." I like I did that oh, maybe three or four times um, over over two or three weeks. Okay, you know, just oh, for about half an hour, just getting up, getting down into prone with a sling, just figuring out what you know tension do I need, what length do I need, is it better attached at the front. Well, like at the front or underneath on the side, you know, mm. just all the different options that my sling gives me that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do do practice. Um, yeah, probably would not. You, would you say fitness level comes into it at all? Do you do any fitness training? Uh, no, I don't. No. I've got a gym membership. Fitting this pizza into my mouth. It's about all the fitness I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a gym membership. I yeah. went once. Man, I could go with pizza. I was thinking about grabbing <laughs> one on the way up. Drove past that pizza giant. Like, yeah. yeah. I think maybe next time. We wouldn't have said no. Yeah. <laughs> I think fitness, fitness probably comes into a little bit. I don't train for it. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but, yeah, maybe being able to hold your rifle unsupported for 30 seconds. I think there's some some definite strength yeah. training that is that would be useful. I mean, fitness never is a bad thing to do. Oh, for sure. Here I am speaking about it, but uh, it is never a bad thing to do. But mm. definitely, um, strength training would be good, um, and that ability to be stable. Yeah. Um, no, I know some guys do yoga or Pilates or things flexibility. like that. Flexibility. Yeah, mm. flexibility and, and strength. Um, in that regard, would be really uh, 
not critical, but but you know, if Beneficial, you want to yeah, yeah. do yeah. that, yeah. yeah, it would certainly certainly assist. Mm. Yeah, perhaps one day when I start competing, maybe maybe one day I might do some of that. <laughs> Here first, he's never competing. Hot <laughs> <laughs> well, dog, we have a wiener. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, how often do you practice, Andy? Um, not very often at the moment, but um, when with the finale coming up, we're about what seven weeks away from it, maybe eight weeks yep. away from it. Yep. Will you will you put some focus in on in the lead yeah. up to that? Yeah, I'll probably spend a fair bit of time um, on barricades <laughs> at the range when when we have like an open yep like weekend and stuff, um, and then probably yeah, just doing a bit of dry fire at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll definitely do a little bit of practice. Just yep. yeah, yeah. So yeah. when when you're at the range and, and you say on a barricade, do you go right? I'm weak at kneeling position. I'm just going to sit in my kneeling position for the next hour, working on shooting that. Or do you run the stage? You know, you run a stage back over and over and over and over again. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I'd I'd probably try and get into a position. So yeah, if it is kneeling, I'd get into that position and try dry firing it, and try and find what's comfortable, and then step back and then do like a mock stage that mm-hmm. incorporates that and a couple of other positions. Yep. Um, yeah, trying to keep the round count low and the movement high. That's what I do when I'm practicing. Yep. So, yeah. Gotcha. One thing I've noticed with uh, particularly new shooters coming out to our range or, or guys who are shooters but not um, not competing in this style of stuff and they come out and they, they, they shoot the competition. So they're behind the gun during the practice and they're sitting on a bench and they, they don't get up from the bench. Mm. They're sitting, sitting mm-hmm. on the bench and they are, they are smacking every single thing they point their gun to, mm-hmm. right? Great. So they clearly can shoot. And then they get into the comp and they've got a 60-second stage, for example. But it takes them 40 seconds to get into position. And then they, you know, get a couple of shots off. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that I've noticed is that if you've brought someone, and this is often people who have been brought along to the range by someone else, and they're, they're so stoked that they're hitting all the targets that they leave it at that. And it would, you know, for 10 minutes at the end of their practice, get them to stand up, put the gun down, get behind it, shoot, get up again, do it again, and just 10, 15 minutes of that, mm. I reckon they'd, they'd bring that 40 seconds down to 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Still longer, but, but you know, half it. Mm-hmm. Um in about 15, 20 minutes worth of practice and they would they would get more from the comp. They would enjoy the comp more, mm. um, building, you know, learning to build a position, be that, you know, bench, kneeling, prone, whatever it may be. That They're going to struggle with some of those elements on their first time. It's just the way. Oh, for sure. We're going to yep. struggle on that on the hundredth time. Yep. But the building, you know, getting into position, being comfortable like that, is, it does change it significantly. Mm. Yeah. When you, when you do practice, if you whether you're dry firing or you are at the range, um, put yourself under pressure with time. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't mosey up to a barricade and go, well, unless you want to. Hey, you do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unless you want to, you know, find a comfortable position. But once you've found that comfortable position, step back and say, all right, I'll put my phone on 20 seconds and I've got to get up, get, in, get into a position and fire off, say, three shots in that 20 seconds. Yeah. Put yourself under pressure so you're, you're going to find your faults while you're under the pump. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Last question. Oh, okay. Last question. Oh, you sound disappointed. I can I can throw some extras in there if you like. Okay. Uh, Andy, 
I feel important. <laughs> what is your <laughs> rifle setup and have you modified it? And if so, who is your gunsmith? Yeah, I've modified it. <laughs> Heaps. <laughs> yeah. Heard yeah. here first. <laughs> Breaking non factory lock time. <laughs> so, other than what is your rifle non factory lock time? <laughs> so, um, I have a Tika Attack A1 in 6.5 Creedmoor. Yes. Um, with a Bushnell XRS um, scope. Yep. Uh, the one like the, the gen, first gen. Um, yep. With the H59 reticle. Um, and I've changed. So part of production is I cannot get aftermarket, um, well, certain certain things aftermarket. So I can't change a barrel, can't change trigger um, and a few other Things yeah. like that, but I can do um, what's it called? Uh, not fit, um, like adjustments sort of stuff. You so can, you can do adjustments basically based around fit rather than performance. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I've changed the changed to a pistol grip. Um, I have painted it. That's not related to performance. That's, that's but helped. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's helped reduce glare. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, matte it. black is really clear. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the most leery paint jobs you can do. <laughs> no. Ridiculous. Um, what else have I done? So nothing because you're in production. Yeah. Yeah. So if you uh, if you were to get some stuff done now, what yep. what would you modify? What would I modify? I would uh, upgrade my glass, so yes. a better scope, uh, a new barrel, um, new trigger. And uh, probably just the accessories on the forend, so a, a arco rail um, and some bit more adjustment sort of stuff there. And okay. I'll, so that's probably about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sensible adjustments. Um, mm. I, I, th I think I talked about what I am doing with my rifle in the last one. I'm, I'm going to be running two, uh, my two to three, which I think is a one in seven twist off memory. Might be one in eight. It's been mm -hmm. a while. And that's going to a KG Whiskey 3 uh, chassis. Yes. Um, I think, uh, pretty sure Nick built that rifle. Um, did I, did I hear there was going to be like stripes? Or? That's the, that's the gay tiger eventually. That's oh. the gay tiger. This is, this is just the 2D3 just to okay. get me up and running. Okay. All in good time. Stop giving away the plan. And, um, yeah, so mine, mine's pretty sort of stock standard. I mean, I used to have a 260 in a manor stock and that mm -hmm. was really good and, um, yeah, but uh, it's been a long, long time since I've shot that and um, parts are missing and it's not really mm. together. So I'm going to get this 2-3 uh, uh, decked out and then eventually yep. uh, rebuild something based on, on that setup, which will, nice. be, which will be good. So my 20, oh, my 22, because he doesn't specify, um, my 22 is just a CZ452 with a Falcon M18 on it. Um, S18 now, I think. Anyway. Uh, and that, uh, that's about all oh, that's had no modifications mm. apart from the, uh, the biro spring trigger trick. Oh yes. Are you familiar with that one? Yep. No. Yeah. And so the, yeah, that's about it. Mm. That's about it. Yeah. I've played with my 22 a fair bit. So yep. started off just a Ruger American, uh, 16 inch barrel. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just put a, a Bushnell rimfire scope on it. Yes. That's pretty Pretty generic, yep. um, but then yeah, cut away half of the forend, filled it with like epoxy resin to stiffen it up. Wow! Um, yep. Grounded down the underside of the forend, so I could bolt a pick rail to the bottom of it, and it was parallel to the barrel. Yep. Um, put a extended mag release on it, which is a bottle opener. 
<laughs> or was a bottle opener. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so a bit of stuffing around there. But. Nice. Hmm. Gunsmith uh, myself. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> and Dutchie has, uh, has pimped out his stock for his Creco. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that looks nothing like original now. Very good. Um, yeah, it's got everything. Adjustable cheek piece. Uh, that's about it. Um, <laughs> it's got everything. It's, it's got, got this one thing and that's about it. It's got this one thing. No, nah, it's got walnut dispersed <laughs> through it and changed the width of it so it's more comfortable in my hand from a sporter profile to more like a Dutchy special. Target. Vormant. Yeah, Vormant target. <laughs> good. Um, yeah. And then I haven't got a scope on it at the moment because, you know. Because you haven't. Keep melting cups. <laughs> um, Good. And then, yeah, my PRS, I'm just using my um, hunting 308 rifle, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, Thompson Center Icon. Yep. Got one of the same um, myself. I've made two 10-shot magazines for it. Um, it's got... A piece of steel bar epoxied in the buttstock because mm-hmm. an experiment went wrong and now I can't get it out. <laughs> um, I've put epoxy in the forend, but it's got like it's an aluminium. Epoxy in the chamber. Just no, no, no. I didn't touch that. Wind mag, but I tweaked yeah, no, it. I left that. I just, you know, wanted to add some weight and yep. I wanted to be able to remove it. Is that to, yeah, just balance it up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It used to be, it was, it's a hollow, uh, like a hogue. Overmolded stock, yeah. so it's hollow yep. and it would it would twist and it was really light. It just it was a nightmare mm. yep. off the bench. So I added weight to it, and now I can't get the weight out. So <laughs> now it's heavy and it's nice. Like off the bench now, it hardly moves. Yeah, you know, recoil is. Is there a break on that? To, no, no break. No, it's just sport a barrel. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I said, I haven't shot it in a PRS comp. So yeah, I'm, I remember shooting mine out to nine hundred and fifty or something. Yeah, I've hit targets over yeah. a thousand meters with it. Yeah. So they could come. It's Accurate. It shoots. Does better than I can uh, off a bench. Mm. Mm, um, well. Yeah, and just running a ten power scope. Yep. Um, yeah, but I just need to get out and use it. Really, just <laughs> it's the way. Well, always a challenge. Got lots always of dry fire practice under your belt, so should be yeah, exactly. Should be sweet, yeah. mate. Yeah, that's it. Oh well, there you go, Henry. <laughs> We, uh, We've we, done your assignment for you. There's your assignment done. Uh, some nearly three answers on most of those. And uh, so, guys, if there's any questions that you're listening and you, you want to throw an answer to us to pass on, uh, please do. Flick us a message or an email of the question or all the questions if you like and we'd love to hear from you and we'll make sure that gets through to Henry for his assignment. That would be sensational. Sensational. Oh, you just picked up a screw there, Andy. It's off one of your scopes, is it? Congratulations. <laughs> um, it's not. But no, anyway. it's, off, it's off yours, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's modified it you now. Might, you might want to check that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's it. So uh, we're done. I, uh, I'm leaving tomorrow to go to a gun show and then drive into Biggerton. Uh, so I guess our next episode will be post the Biggerton match, oh. which should be interesting. We'll see how that first PRS match in Queensland goes. Should be good fun. Yeah, definitely going to follow that one. Yes, and uh, good luck with your cups, Dutchie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. 
To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics.